Well, good evening to our Bible study tonight. We're on the Gospel of Luke, and we're on uh, day 10. And our passage is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give you all this power and their glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to, the, to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and was handed a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do here in your native place the things that we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. 
indeed. I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only, the Na uh, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them, and went away. All right, there is our gospel passage, and lots of great stuff in there. Let's jump in. What happened right before this passage here? He was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he was baptized, the Spirit came down upon him, and the Heavenly Father spoke from the sky and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Okay? So God says, This is my Son. And the very next thing we see, it says, The Spirit led him out into the desert. Alright? So, he's going out into the desert, and he spends 40 days neither eating, uh, not eating anything. That is a complete fast. Now, when I was a kid, I thought, wow, only Jesus could do that. <laughs> because he was God. But actually, people can go 40 days without eating. I asked my students, and some years ago, I had one, I said, how long is the longest you've ever gone without eating? And you get a day, a two, or three. And uh, once I went three days fast, um, we were going to do an exorcism on a house with a priest, and so I figured I better uh, bulk up there. I better, uh, uh, and I went three days without eating. Like, wow, that was tough. But I had one student, she said, oh, I didn't eat the whole month of June. I said, why'd you do that? She said, I wanted to lose weight. So she didn't eat for a whole month for 30 days. Uh, and I've read books about fasting. Um, actually... When those uh, prisoners in Ireland some years ago were going on hunger strikes and, uh, until death, they were dying about 75 days after they stopped eating. Now, you can't go that long without water, but you can stop eating and you can last for quite some time. The um, Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. And, by the way, that's kind of where we get our Lent from. You know, we spend 40 days in fasting and prayer and depriving ourselves um, for the upcoming uh, Easter Triduum, you know, Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. And to spiritually prepare ourselves. Well, what's Jesus preparing for? His public ministry. Again, when you see the number 40 in the Bible, we see it a lot. Whenever you see the number 40, a bell should go off. Ding, ding, ding. Something's changing. 
The number 40 indicates a time of transition. Something is changing. Well, what is changing in this 40-day period? Jesus is going from his private life to his public ministry. And before he does that, he spiritually prepares himself with prayer and fasting. Later, he'll cast out a demon. The apostles will say, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, that kind can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. Obviously, the apostles hadn't done enough of that yet. What does the devil say when Jesus is in the desert? They said, after 40 days, he was hungry. He says, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Well, there's a lot of things we could say about this. But let's look at two things. One, if you're the Son of God. God had just spoken from the sky and said, you are my Son. And what does the devil say? If you're the Son of God, prove it. This is what he says over and over. If you're the Son of God, prove it. And this temptation is going to happen over and over throughout the life of Jesus. When he goes to his hometown, you know, to the synagogue, they're going to say, hey, prove it. We heard you did miracles over there. Cure some people here. Prove it. We don't believe in you. You grew up here. We know who you are. We know you're dead. You're the carpenter's son. Prove who you are. And Jesus does not respond to that. You know, people in life, they say uh, something happens and they'll say, well, I don't believe in God. And then they'll put God to the test. God, if you want me to believe in you, you have to do such and such. God's never going to do that. He doesn't respond. You can't hold God hostage, man. You're the creature. You can't tell the creator what to do. And, and Jesus does not respond to that. When people come to Jesus and they say, I believe in you, would you help me? He always does it. But when they come to him and say, I don't believe in you, prove it. He never responds to that. So just take that into your life. Never, ever approach God in that way. It's not going to work out for you. So, that's the first thing. There was this temptation to prove yourself, okay, which Jesus does not respond to. Secondly, this was a temptation of the flesh. It says he was hungry. And... In our life, one of the most common types of temptation is the temptations of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, as it is called. There are numerous things. Um, food, drink, comfort, sex, rest. These things all appeal to our flesh. How can you abuse food? Gluttony. How can you abuse drink? Yeah, too much alcohol, drunkenness. Um, how can you how can you abuse rest? 
lazy. That's right, laziness. You're resting when you should be working. Um, sex, that's pretty easy. There's a dozen different ways that people use sex in the wrong way. Fornication and, and porn and all kinds of things. And uh, comfort, creature comforts. We want to... Uh, we want to be cool in the, in the heat of the summer, and we want to be warm in the, in the cold of the winter. Uh, how can you abuse creature comforts? Well, it's called materialism. It's not enough just to have clothes. I have to have designer clothes that cost a fortune. It's, it's not enough to have a house. I have to have this huge mansion. Um, it's... I'm not satisfied with transportation, I have to have a luxury car, or whatever. I mean, people just go overboard with materialism when we're living in a world where there's so many people who don't even have the basics of, of food, clothing, and shelter. And if we were more reasonable in our approach, we could be more generous. And so there is such a sin as a materialistic love of, love of money. So, that's, this temptation also represents that whole category of temptation. Uh, the lust of the flesh. And of course, Jesus doesn't fall for it. And you notice, how does Jesus... Uh, respond to each temptation. He quotes scripture. And if you would look up the quotes, they're all from the book of Deuteronomy. They're all from the law of Moses. All three of Jesus' answers come from the book of Deuteronomy, which would have been very familiar to the crowd that he's speaking to, because that's the most important part of the Old Testament, and that's the part of the Old Testament they would have known the best. And so he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah. The true bread is, as Jesus said in another place, he said, my bread is to do the will of God. And we don't want our flesh, we don't want our bodies to get in, way, in the way of doing God's will in our life. And, phew. We do all the time. <laughs> Look at those sins. Gluttony, drunkenness, laziness, you know, sexual sin. These are the, some of the most common sins in the world. Okay? And we're all guilty of them. And so we, we have to constantly uh, fight against our own bodies. You can't get away from your body. You know, if you don't have a body... You're a nobody. <laughs> Reminds me of a joke. Why couldn't the skeleton go to the prom? He had nobody to go with. <laughs> Our bodies are good. God created us body and soul. And these are all good things. Food, drink, comfort, sex, rest. I mean, they're all good things. I mean, we even have a sacrament for sex. That's, that's marriage. I mean, these things are, 
all good, and they're all necessary. You can't stop eating. You can't stop drinking. You can't stop resting. You have to sleep and rest. And so, the trouble with the, the lust of the flesh, the sins of the flesh, is that they, they, they're all good in themselves. And it's part of our natural human life. You can't get away from it. But you have to control it. You have to use it in the right way. And so, it, it's a lifelong... I think it was St. Francis de Sales said, he said, I'm going to have to drag this body all the way to the grave uh, and the temptations of this body. You know? Yeah! I St. Pope John XXIII, uh, who called for the Second Vatican Council, in his autobiography, as a very old man, he wrote that sexual temptations were the greatest temptations of his entire life. He said, I've had to fight those my entire life. And he was writing that as a very old man. Sometimes I think people think, you know, these temptations will eventually go away. No, they won't. We're going to be bodies. We're going to be human until the day we die. And so there's always going to be temptations of the flesh until the day we die. So, it's a matter of dealing with it and letting the Spirit have control. And that's the key. The Holy Spirit. You cannot uh, just will yourself. You know how many people try to go on a diet and they can't even stick to a diet more than a day or a week, you know? If they have... Our willpower is not strong enough. Not strong enough at all. My conversion taught me that, and I will never, ever forget it. On my own, I'm a failure. But it's constantly praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Using the sacraments, going to communion, going to confession, asking the Holy Spirit to come and transform you. That's the only way it happens. You're, it's not going to happen through your own willpower. So, that's the first temptation, the temptation of the flesh. Secondly, he was tempted to worship the devil in exchange for power and wealth. He said, these are all the kingdoms of the world, and I can give them to whoever I want. I wonder if the devil was telling the truth. You know, the devil is a liar. Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning. I don't know if he could have really, can, can the devil give you power and glory uh, in a worldly sense? I don't know. Maybe he can. I, I think to some degree he can. There are people down through uh, time, and I've read books about different people, who like, they, they give themselves over to the devil. Just as we give ourselves to Jesus to live for him, there are people who give themselves to the devil. There are Satanists. There are people who worship Satan. In fact, there's more and more of them all the time. And I have read about some of these people who, like, so-called sold their soul to the devil. I mean, they made a decision that they were going to serve the devil in exchange for what the devil could give them. You know? Power, money, sex, fame. Uh, it's a bad trade. You know why? 
because you don't live forever on this earth. Your life comes to an end and then there's <laughs> hell to pay. <laughs> I just made that one up. That's a pretty good one. There's hell to pay. <laughs> I knew a lady from Fort Laramie many years ago. This is like 40 years ago. Um, she came to the prayer meeting and she shared this story with me. She had gotten cancer and she was bad and she was suffering and she was taking treatments and they said, sorry, you know, we can't do anything. And she had been praying. She was born a Catholic and she was praying every day, Jesus help me out, Jesus help me out. And she was very upset that God was not making the medicine work and he was not bringing her healing and she was heading toward death. In desperation, she said to herself, I'm going to pray to the devil. If Jesus won't help me, maybe the devil will. So she prayed to the devil, please cure me, take my cancer away. It went into a remission almost immediately. She turned to evil, and she got her answer. But then she had terrible remorse in her spirit, in her conscience, like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've damned my soul to save my body, which she certainly had. If you take the devil's side, if you pray to the devil, you will lose your soul for all eternity. And after several months, she couldn't take it. And she felt better to die than to lose my soul. And so she repented. She went to confession. She told the priest what she had done. And she confessed her sin and she said, I take it back. And her cancer came right back. Yeah, yeah, and she hung true. Nothing seemed to work, and she was on death's door. She was just about dead when suddenly she went into remission and stayed in remission for years. So, her faith was really put to the test. She failed it the first time. But she passed it the second time. I'm certainly glad God gives us second chances. But you know, we cannot worship the devil. We cannot give in to him. Uh, no matter what he offers us in, in, in terms of worldly success. And finally, we have another, and, and of course, that second one. This desire for riches. This is theologically called the lust of the eye. All the beautiful things in the world that money can buy. I'll give it to you. And this desire for wealth and riches. Now, this is a very common temptation too. You know. Very common temptation. See you're tempted by your own body. And you're tempted by everything outside your body. All the things of the world. And a lot of people get sucked into that, don't they? 
They will lie, cheat, steal to get the things of this world. They will neglect their wife or neglect their husband or neglect their kids. They will do all kinds of things that aren't right in order to get what they want. They have too much desire for the things of this world. And, and that is another very, very common temptation. Jesus, he could have had anything in life. He was God. He could have, he, he could have created those stones and the hunks of gold and been rich as can be. But he didn't. The man was poor. He was poor his whole life long. And he, and he didn't. He said, the birds of the air have nests and the foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a nice house. He didn't have fancy food. And he could have had everything. But he became poor so that we might become rich in him. His life was one of service and sacrifice for the world. So, we have two types of temptations. The temptation of our bodies, of our flesh, and the temptations of all the things of the world. Now, there's one more type of temptation, general type of temptation, is the third one. The devil said, throw yourself from the top of the temple. The angels will catch you. You won't hurt yourself. And you notice the devil is quoting scripture. <laughs> the devil knows the Bible better than any human being on earth. The devils are spirits. They're angels. The intellect of an angel is beyond any human being. And so when it comes to quoting the Bible, there's no priest or minister or preacher who could come close to the devil. But you see, the devil twists the Bible. He takes it and he uses it. Do you realize people do that today? They take the Bible and they twist it. And they make it support, they think, their evil agenda. Back in the days of slavery, there were Southerners who quoted the Bible constantly. You know? In one of his letters, St. Paul tells a runaway slave that he should go back to his master. But he tells the master, you should accept him as a brother in Christ now. Well, if the guy's your brother in Christ, what would the master do? Would you keep your brother in chains? Of course not. Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself. Love your brothers yourself. If he receives him back as his brother, he would give him his freedom. Maybe hire him as an employee. Okay? But all those southern plantationers did was, they quoted the part where St. Paul said that, you know, you should go back to your master. See? St. Paul supported slavery. St. Paul didn't support slavery. They took a little bitty verse out of a letter and they twisted it to make it say that St. Paul was in, in favor of slavery. Not in the slightest. People take the Bible and they quote it to support all kinds of evil things. Okay? Well, that's what the devil is doing here. He's quoting from the book of Psalms and he says, The angels will hold you up. You won't even stub your toe. Go ahead. Throw yourself off the top of the temple. Impress people. Make them think you're somebody. Make them go, ooh. 
Human beings are impressed by stuff that makes them go, ooh and ah, you know. Today, what kind of temptation is this? See, the first temptation was to our flesh. The second temptation is to the things of the world around us. What kind of temptation is this? It's to our mind. It's to our ego. It's to our pridefulness. I want to make everybody think I am somebody. Oh my goodness. And think of all the evil that's been done for that. People do all kinds of evil things to be a celebrity. I mean, they'll go in a movie and they'll take off their clothes and nudity and, and cursing and, oh, but I'm a movie star, you know. People will go and shoot and kill innocent people. Those two high school boys at Columbine, mm -hmm. they, they, they had left instructions for Steven. They said, we want Steven Spielberg to make the movie about us because we know we're going to become famous. And they're going to want to make a movie about us. And they even picked out the producer and director that they wanted to direct the movie because they were going to kill themselves. So they, they left and they killed, what, 14 kids in that high school and then they killed themselves. Look at that evil. So that they could become famous. So that they could be somebody. Oh, man. So many evil things have been done by this temptation of pridefulness. And how many people have, have walked around in their life treating everybody else in their life like you're less than me. I think I'm better than you. And they treat you with disdain and, and they treat you bad. And how many kids in high school have bullied some other kid because I'm pretty and you're not. Or I'm rich and you're not. Or I'm on the team and you're not. And they just make life hell for... This is just so evil. And we could go on and on and on. This is... So, you see the three types of temptations represented here? Mm -hmm. Temptations from our flesh, temptations from the world, and temptations of the spirit, of your mind, of pridefulness.